Hello, and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. My name is Pete. My name is Bob. What's up, dude? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. I love it when you're feeling good. Um, I am wondering, Pete. What's up? When's the last time you were at an Applebee's? Oh, I think it was now. Actually, I was in Florida a while ago, maybe like eight months ago. And I thought about going to the Applebee's. I think I thought about going so much that I convinced myself in my memory that I went, but I didn't actually go. Um, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a very long while for me as well. Um, it's really funny you brought up uh, an Applebee's in Florida um, <laughs> because I had a super memorable trip to an Applebee's basically in a swamp. Uh, we were driving from... Tampa to Miami and we ended up stopping somewhere. I think it was like we flew into Tampa and our plan was to kind of try to make it out. Yeah, maybe we did drive across to Miami that night. Um, but we were we were flying into Tampa, then we were spending the first half of the trip in Miami, and then the second half we we're gonna be visiting with family who was near Tampa. Yep. Um, and it just made sense to do a round trip like that, whatever. Um we land in Tampa sometime like, you know, 8 o'clock, 8.30. And as we're driving, we're making good time, but we're like, Shh, we're hungry. Haven't eaten. Haven't eaten. Uh-oh. I think we might have passed most of our options. Like a beacon in the night, that glowing <laughs> red apple. There you go. Yo, it was like, like, it was halfway between an Applebee's and the the bar from roadhouse like it was we were in a swamp it <laughs> felt real dingy and weird like there wasn't so much of the like uh local high school paraphernalia on the walls okay uh it was just very odd and it was a terrible dining experience which is you know what you expect from an applebee's i guess that, it's kind of par for the course that was at least that was probably 12 years ago so um, was it was it after 10 p.m.? Of course. So you got those half price apps and got them, and they were really bad that <laughs> night. They were really bad. I was talking to my friend about this. He used to get the the um, fuck. What is it? The um, artichoke, artichoke, artichoke dip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said he got it recently, and it was like so like, bad, actually unedible, like. Like this is a dude that we used to, I mean, huh. Applebee's has a special place in my heart because when we first got our driver's licenses as, as kids, we would just go all the time after yeah, yeah. 10, it, you know, you get the half yeah, price apps. It, there's a true, true glory to being a teen who can now eat and going to eat at your like local chain affiliate national hundred <laughs> percent sports yeah. bar. Yeah. So happy about it. Um, it's so many mozzarella sticks there, but man, so many mozzarella sticks. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know. Founded somewhere outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I was really hoping it was founded in Florida because it would feel kind of appropriate. Oh, it looks like it was acquired. Do you know who, what, wow, do you know what entity owns Applebee's? Jeez, no, this I don't. almost shocking. IHOP Corp acquired Applebee's in 2007. Whoa. So IHOP owns 
Applebee's. Um, let's see. And it's actually the IHOP court changed their name to Dine Equity. Um, became the largest full-service restaurant company in the world with more than 3,250 locations. Okay. Um, they announced they would close between 105 and 135 Applebee's locations in 2017. Uh, late 2017, Applebee's began to place an increased focus on promotions involving low-cost cocktails, including $1 margarita promotions dubbed Dude, the I th- Dollarita. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's the last time I went there. <clears throat> I don't think I ate. I think I went to the bar. Sure. I, I think I was in college, and like I had a margarita, and it was so sweet. I just like instantly got a headache. I was like, oh, I can't I even. Like, what oh, am I doing here? I oh, okay. <clears throat> there we go. I... So I think the Florida was the last one I remember. Then I was thinking of a, a time I was in Pennsylvania with a couple friends, and I was like, "Wait, did we go to Applebee's?" No, no, we went to a Fridays, and that was like seven <laughs> or eight years ago. I believe I w- I was working uh, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, mm. and went with two of my good buddies from work, and we went to an Applebee's because it was. Uh, we used to go to the movies like after work and uh, there was an Applebee's that was like in the parking lot of the movie theater. So that was probably 2012. Is the nice. last time I was there. Um, so uh, U.S. locations have steadily declined in recent years. And as of December 30th, 31st, 2021, there were 1,578 locations. Wow. They're, they're, so if you, if you or anyone you know uh, has some odd fondness for the bad food they serve at Applebee's. <laughs> Make an appointment visit. Um, Pete, we're not here to talk about Applebee's. No. We're, we're here, here to talk about... <laughs> The Applebee's of bands. No, um, that's where I was. That's where I was talking about it. But, <laughs> but I have some like weird things to explain on this. I feel so weird. This is this one made me feel really weird, buddy. It's an interesting one. Yeah, I had an interesting experience going through this one too. Um, what what is this record that we're talking about? Uh, it's by a little band called Pink Floyd. It's called okay. Dark Side of the Moon. You may have heard of it. Ooh, Dark Side of the Moon. Is this one of the most, like, is this one of the 50 most popular records of all time? I would imagine it's, like, in the top 10. Whoa, okay, yeah, okay. You think? It's gotta no, no, be. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think you're wrong. Like, the amount of college dorms that have the Dark Side of the Moon poster, flag. That's what I'm saying. You know, et cetera. Um, Yo, really quick. Um, let's pull it out the way we like to. 100,000 feet up. Pete, do you like Pink Floyd? Yes. Okay. You I do like too. Pink Floyd. Yeah. I do. I do. I was going to say there's a couple weird things here. I don't have any other close friends who like Pink Floyd. Or if I do, I don't know that they do. Like most of. And in fact, many of my close friends are straight up Pink Floyd haters or, or big caveat will be like, well, I like the first couple records. Exactly. There's a, there's a lot of those. Yeah. Um, the haters, I haven't met the haters as much. Oh, I got, I got some haters, buddy. Okay. Uh, shout out to my one buddy, Bo out in California. <laughs> he, he, he reps for Pink Floyd. 
Um, but but no, I, I it's one of those weird things. Like it's not like my my folks cared about Pink Floyd one way or the other. I, I nascently don't think they were fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Similar I, experience. Like I don't think they were never like oh that's bad. But they never like they never celebrated it at all. Um, I didn't have any close friends in high school who were into them, middle school, et cetera. I wasn't friends with the Pink Floyd fans in high school. Yeah. And, and I think that's worth noting, Pete, we went to high school. I went to high school mostly in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how can I explain the hippie sons, the, uh, <laughs> the like renaissance of hippie culture, which included this weird, revisionist version that included like the 70s era pink floyd records yeah um as part of this weird canon where it's like yeah man i wear like tie-dye deadhead shirts every day and corduroy pants that i literally only take off to take my shower uh and pink floyd yeah and it's like but but not the like psych rock era pink floyd just like the um burgeoning 70s we are going to play gigantic theaters and and stadiums very soon pink floyd yeah um so it wasn't like i was short on pink floyd fans in my world i was just short on friends who liked pink floyd (laughs) sure yeah i definitely didn't have anyone in my life that like really rode for pink floyd Right. And, I mean, to your point, my dad turned me on to a lot of music. I literally, I don't think I ever heard him say a word about Pink Floyd. He did have a copy of Dark Side of the Moon on vinyl, and I only mm-hmm. know that because I inherited his, re- his record collection when he passed away. So it's like, I would have never even known that he owned the thing. But I guess that's just like one of those things you, you just had to own at the time, right? I mean, that's what I imagined. But it's, uh, I don't know. Nobody was around me telling me to listen to them and the nope. only places I saw them were what you're talking about kind of this like revisiting hippie like weirdness and then I moved to San Francisco for college and saw it in a lot of dorm rooms and yes. that turned me off even more so yeah I don't know man it so wasn't there in, for me okay so in 1987 Rolling Stone ranked the Dark Side of the Moon, 35th in its list of top 100 albums of the last 20 years. Okay. 35th. In 2003, the album was ranked number 43 on the magazine's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. All right. Sidebar. We're going to review that list. That's that's a fun game. That'll be fun. Um, they dropped it uh, to number 55 in a 2020 revision of the list. Okay. Now, do you know, in general, do they put the wall higher or lower? I it's not showing that. Okay. But both Rolling Stone and Q magazine have listed The Dark Side of the Moon as the best progressive rock album of all time. Interesting. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Um well, I'll ask you that question. Do you like this record or The Wall more? This record by far. But but I'll say I have I have not revisited The Wall in a very very long time. So Is is this your favorite Pink Floyd record? I don't think so, but maybe question mark. Like I, I, I do like the Sid Barrett era records, and 100%. I actually I like everything. I, I, I'm sort of surprised we didn't do one of those. We that is the next Pink Floyd record we do. Yeah, those are fun. Um, yes, 
I just, I actually like everything Pink Floyd did up until Animals and the wall yes. always was just like off putting to me for some reason. It just feels so lame and corny. And I have a little bit of a thesis about the wall. What's that? I'll get to it right here. Okay. Um, <laughs> the wall is trying to capture some of this weird magic that they had with Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. And like, it just doesn't do it. Um, we'll get into why, but that's my high level thesis is the wall is trying to capture the magic that they have with Dark Side of the Moon and they don't get it. Um, my favorite Pink Floyd record is Wish You Were Here, which is this weird record because it's kind of short, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I love it. So um, it's, it's like I was going to be like, but Wish You Were Here. It's almost like it's an EP, but I'm like, yo, I think it's like 40 minutes long. What am I talking about here? They feel uh, so short. Their records are longer than you think they are. They well, all feel like EPs, which is kind of amazing. Well, right. Except this one, which is 42 minutes long, and I feel like it sort of breezes by. Is that it crazy totally to breezes say? by? No, okay. that's what I, I think their records breeze by in general. It's like, crazy. It's yeah. crazy. We're here. This is a tracks pod thing. This record's too long. This record's too long. It's too long, too long, too long. Yo, this record's 42 minutes. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. Like moves. Um, so in my head, I know certain things about Pink Floyd. I've never been like a super duper giant fan, but I have a lot of love for the records, which is a funny thing. So, so let me put it this way first. There's a part of me that kind of loves Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. And there's another part of me that keeps them arm's length because of people who love Pink Floyd. Agreed. Which is to say, I love the music and I don't dig into the band in that fanatic fan kind of way. Just, yep. just keep it totally aside. Like I know some of the Sid Barrett story and all that stuff. And I think it's kind of neat. I actually really like the weird relationship between Sid Barrett and the band. Um, but regardless, I had an idea of where this record fell into their catalog before we did this. Listen, before we decided to do this record, do you know where this falls in their discography? It's like the sixth record, seventh record? It's the eighth full-length album. Eighth record, okay. Eighth. Yeah. Now, I thought it was fifth or sixth. I thought it was right there. Because I was like, oh, they had kind of like a full, like, they had a career already, you know? Yeah. Um, but eighth made me like double take, double take hard. So, um, yeah, I, 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 there's this weird... Wait, is it eighth? Like, it's their eighth album, yeah. So, so they have... Hold on, Here, let me hold pull on. this out. Yeah. I just want I know, to look at I know. this. Pull, please do. So they had Piper at the Gates of Dawn, Saucer Full of Secrets, Amagama, Soundtrack, Adam Hart Mother, Metal, Obscured by Clouds. Yeah, wow. Eighth studio album, brother. Crazy. Really wild. Really, really wild. So um, I always forget that, like, I always forget about Soundtrack yep. from the film more, and then I think I forget about um, Obscured by Clouds. I, th- I always think of metal as coming right before dark side because I've read yeah, a little I'd, bit about dark side and like you can feel, you can feel dark side coming out of metal. I think more than you can feel it coming out of obscured by clouds, but yeah. So, so this is also to say, I know some of the early material. I'm trying to think which one of these records I have. I don't have more saucer full of secrets. This is the one I have. Um, Great record. Yeah. Very cool record. And so, so 
I think it's kind of like this interesting place to say like our personal familiarity and interest in the band. Like we try to, we establish that. How do we land on dark side of the moon as the record to do for pink Floyd? I just thought it'd be fun to do like a bona fide classic, honestly. Um, and it's one where I actually go back to a bunch of the pink Floyd records fairly often. Um, oh. and this one, I just don't. Really? And I think it's, be- oh. I think it's, I think it's because of that. Like just, I keep it at arm's length thing that you're talking about. Like yep. for some reason, it's just the cover of this. And just when I think about songs like money, like I just really get turned off and I'm like, that's not the vibe. Like I either want the Sid Barrett psychedelic fun vibe because it's fun mm-hmm. or I want the just like ambient soundtracky feel yes. of a lot of that kind of in between stuff. So I don't really go to this one because I, when I think about it, I think about it like I think about the wall where it's just like, cringe. I don't know, cringe and just, I mean, I, for, for the record, when I think cringe, the wall comes to mind a lot more, I think because of just the overt kind of politics behind it. Whereas this one, it doesn't feel like that as much except for maybe money. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just never go to it. And I, I thought it'd be fun. Thank you, because I agree. I haven't reached for it in so long. So, so long. To to answer the question, yes, I own this on vinyl already. It's already in my collection. I'm assuming you inherited it. Do I you did. still own that copy? Got it. Cool. I, I think this is a classic, like you said. But I haven't sat with it and thought about it literally since I was like a teenager. And I want to give a reveal on that, partly because I went through on this list and I was like, all right, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the tracks are songs that I would hear with at least some frequency on classic rock radio. Sure. You know, and and that's not nothing. (laughs) So um, there was just this level where I didn't need to. And if I was going to... Pink Floyd of this era, I'm just going to wish you were here. It just is a like, it's giving me more of what I wanted from them. Uh huh. But I might be rethinking that after this. Listen, buddy. Yeah. I, uh, I think there's a lot going on here. Um, for exactly what I said about the the wall is the cringe version of Dark Side of the Moon. They were attempting to recapture this weird, larger-than-life, theatrical, ornamentational arrangement that's this halfway point between a proper album and a score, right? Mm -hmm. It's so tonal. It's so, like, dependent on, on a vibe that it casts. Yeah. That it lands on this like amorphous concept record, which I'm cool with. I think yes, this is clearly a concept record, but it's it still kind of hits me as odd when you have that conversation and like what what makes this classic, what makes this great, what makes it stand on its own. Um, and I guess we'll kind of get there. Like when when somebody would ask me, "Do you like Pink Floyd?" It's not a yeah, fuck yeah, like. When somebody asks me, do you like Led Zeppelin? I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like one of my favorite bands. 
Pink Floyd, I don't have that same answer. Partly, I don't know why. It's not like like Led Zeppelin certainly has a lot of turd bucket fans. Yep. Um, <laughs> why is it different with Pink Floyd? I don't, I mean, I, I'm going to use this as an example. So we're recording this. It's around Thanksgiving right now. Um, this is maybe six years ago, seven years ago. Um, when the dead had their final show. Do you remember that? Yeah, they did. They did this series of like final shows and then they immediately started doing like the dead and company and like all this other offshoot stuff. Yep. Um, but it was like a televised event. It was on HBO. It was like a big deal. So I went to my uncle's house. It was around Thanksgiving. Um, again, right when these dead shows happened and I don't see my uncle very often. I see this guy like maybe every four years. Right. So there's a lot right. of catching up to do every time mm-hmm. I see him. Mm-hmm. Now, rather than properly doing that kind of catch up, going for a walk, you know, getting a drink, getting dinner, whatever you do just to talk. Yep. We talk for about 20 minutes and he's like, Pete, we started talking about music. And he's like, did you see any of this dead footage? And I was like, no. (laughs) And he was like, oh, my God, come into this other room with me. And he brings me into like his his den. Okay. And makes me watch like half an hour of the dead. Like speakers blasting just let's let's talking me through the whole thing like like you see how they like change the beats here and like this and like all like just go like just relentlessly doesn't give a fuck how interested i am right just like has to talk reading the the tone of it okay right not reading the room at all just frankly doesn't care that's when i think of pink floyd fans that's who i think of right so it's like you're that example wrong. was the dead, but but I think of the same person, like kind of talking at you about how great Pink Floyd are, and I think that's why that's one of the many reasons I think I've always kept them at arm's length. And this goes back to a conversation we've had not that long ago, um, personally and just in general. You don't have to be a billboard for the things you like and the things you love all the time. And the more you do that, the more almost the parody of your love for the thing becomes. Yeah. And I get that energy. I certainly got that. It's not like I've had meaningful conversations about Pink Floyd, but, you know, I say this for all the bands. Yo, I I like Guns N' Roses. I like a lot of bands whose shirts, and I like Nirvana a lot. I like a lot of bands whose shirts are available very easily at local Walmarts across the world. <laughs> That's the point where you go, ah, maybe I just chill. I don't need to broadcast it 24-7. Yeah. Um, and I say this at the same time, go buy the cheap fucking cool Nirvana shirt, the cheap fucking cool Pink Floyd shirt. Do it. Make you know If it makes you happy, can't be that bad. But... I do think that all of that overshadows what I think is this cool, weird record. Like I said, falls somewhere between a proper, well-put-together album that's just really <clears throat> thoughtful uh, and a score so that it has this tonal element and also sort of a cool backstory. Like so, So, Pete, you probably know more than me, but what I do know is that this record was conceived as something like, hey, let's let's write a record that is something we just play live. And More or less, yeah. And it was all written on tour. It was all written on tour and that they actually performed it in its entirety 
well over a year before they went in the studio and actually recorded it. Which I is I didn't even know that. That's cool though. Really cool to me. Yeah. Like really cool. Like adds to the story. And I'm like, damn, all right, all right. Um, so uh yeah, there's a lot on the bone for this. It is one of these things where it's like, well, this is classic in the same way a lot of things are classic. You probably got beaten over the head with it at some <laughs> point in your life, and you go, Do I need to revisit this? Should I revisit it? Can you shake those negative feelings of that dork who just wanted to tell you why Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon was important, man. <laughs> You'll get none of that here, but we will talk about why we enjoy this record, what we like about it, what we don't, um, and hope you give it your time and attention because, man, Pink Floyd sure could use some extra listeners. 100%. He's trying time. <laughs> Dude, if you have to tell anyone how good a band is, yeah, that they're no. not just sold on it by listening to it, yeah, just no, stop talking. Stop just talking. give up. Don't, don't, don't it's push okay. it. Especially yeah. if it's on, like, yo, that's the, the thing you described is one of the worst moments is the like, <laughs> no, no, you see what they're doing. And like, no, it's. Yeah. Here's why they're good. Yeah, you know, not, not great. Um, Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd, guess their monthly listeners on streaming service, Spotify, who should, should buy us, but has, oh, I'm yet. so bad at this. Uh, I mean, it's in the millions, obviously. It is uh, in the millions, very, very much so. Five million. 15.4 million, which okay. is really good. Really good, I think, right? But let's let's see what else we can compare it to. All right. Um, okay. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Much less. So 800,000. King okay. Crimson, 800,000. Okay. Yes. 2.8 million. Okay. Alan Parsons Project. 2.7 million. Wow. Let's 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 step up the game in here a little bit. Pink Floyd deserves a little more time and attention. Grateful Dead. Wow. Wow. 20. That can't this has to be some weird shit. Well, there's working man's <laughs> dead. I have to believe they got some other stuff. Grateful Dead's only got 2.4 million monthly listeners. That's got to be some weird catalog shit right there. Interesting. All right. Uh, let's just go to the big Led Z. Led Zeppelin. 25. 16. Wow. Neck and neck. Rolling Stones. Uh, 20. Yep. Dead on. And last one, The Beatles. 30. 25.8. And let me just throw in one just for, for shits and giggles. Harry Styles. Uh, 20. 67.8 million. Ariana <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Grande, 51 million. <laughs> Amazing. So, um, How about the just, weekend? Like, oh, oh, Jesus. The weekend. Oh, he breaks all the records. Let's see this. Um, the weekend uh ooh 77.2 okay so yeah like we said pink floyd need your support to get those <laughs> higher numbers so Some let's get trying higher. times yeah pete without further ado should we get into the track by track on this or do you got any other big conversations um big conversations no i don't think so i just Has it, ever told someone hey you should really check out dark side of the moon <laughs> no me neither i don't but think i will either yeah here we are okay um you want to go track by track 
Um, I the only thing oh, I wanted yeah. to mention was that you said it was a concept album. Um, it's a concept album apparently about kind of the arduous lifestyle of being on tour. Yeah, and the mental health problems that Sid Barrett um, was facing during his time in the band. So it's not exactly like a super consistent theme piece, but it's just kind of about, you know, how difficult life can be, I suppose. Yeah. Particularly on the road. I think there's some interesting lyrical conversations here. Um, None of it totally stuck with me on a like, Oh man, like I got that before I read about that level but it makes it tracks right. it starts yeah. it starts to hit so um pink floyd's dark side of the moon let's go first track speak to me so what before, do you do with this is yeah, this a so, track well before we jump in so i oh, didn't yeah. i didn't know i guess i i again never really did like the strict sit down i'm gonna do this now listen at least yep. i haven't in a million years so I was not aware how much these songs just kind of they're they're less songs and more like pieces to like to a score like you were saying. So it's it's sometimes difficult to parse like where does the song start and end, which obviously Spotify makes that very easy. But if you're listening to it on on vinyl, wow. it's a it's a different thing. So um speak to me, yeah. I mean, what do you do with it? It's basically just like this intro piece. It's like it's this sound collage of different you know, elements that you're going to hear throughout the record um, kind of mashed together in this way that kicks the record off. So, I mean, thematically, it's cool. Um, I think it works, but it's less of a song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it hits on, you know, uh, themes and concepts. It touches on things, it dabbles. It's not a song, it's whatever. It's, yeah. You know what, though? Because I hit the same thing with you, like, oh, I hear there's little, you know, parts that you're going to hear. It's an introduction, right? So, um, kudos on that. I'm not mad at it. No, I think it's cool, actually. Breathe in the air. In the air. So this song, I just, I cannot, you were talking about this record sonically, yep. right? And just, yep. just, I think it sounds great. Um, amazing you know, for the time. It sounds amazing. It still sounds it like amazing. It could have been recorded yesterday in 100%. terms of the fidelity. Yeah. Um, this song in particular, for whatever reason, I cannot hear without just picturing like a dorm room and or like like a den that smells like marijuana 
<laughs> and just this like blasting like it's uh-huh. just the vibe that i get when i hear this song and it's also for the most part i don't see this record as being something that you can have on in the background like it really just kind of demands that you're listening to it and giving it your full attention oh um, interesting yeah um and in that way it's like annoying for me sometimes because if you're trying to have it on in the background, I find that it just like doesn't really work. Um, and this song feels that way in particular. So I don't know. I have other thoughts, but go ahead. What do you think? No, I, I, I'm in a different spot with this record. I, I actually think this can be not in a dismissive way. I, I was trying to decide how much of my attention is put on it from nostalgia slash familiarity. Okay versus can i have this on in the background have it just be tone music you know okay um it's actually a little dark for that but um you know uh weather wise we've been we've been inflicted with some really rainy weeks here yeah and uh i found that as a time framing to work for it um but no this song i one i i really like it and it's kind of this slow flowy field but what you said isn't far off like it is immersive too and and that is part of it is if you are paying attention to this record it can really you can be enveloped by the sound play that they're doing there's a lot of different layers and texture and everything sounds really rich and deep um that you can be pulled into the sound and and pete this song is under three minutes long. Yeah, these songs are short. There's one. One is kind of longer, but but you're not wrong. It's it's they they move. This this song moves by, and I'm like, whoa! It feels so so fully formed and so well constructed. Uh, that's that's part of where I get to with it. I, I I feel like this is a very very well constructed song, and then I try to pull back and say, okay, I'm just so familiar with this. What am I hearing? What am I looking to? It drives in this really steady, drifty. Prague is interesting because I don't think prog rock with Pink Floyd, but I hear some of the prog and like what I really hear is this is a band emerging out of the 60s and melding like it's a post-psych rock band, you know? Yeah. Like, um, more than it is prog it's post psych and it's saying what do we do with this also it's post 60s and i feel like they synthesize a lot of different elements of different musical genres like like i'm not lying when i think there's elements of motown and soul built into the dna of this record in a way that i don't think you'd be honestly saying it to certainly not earlier Pink Floyd material, but really a lot of records that are guitar rock records pre-1970. So, um, so yeah, no, I, 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 this song's great. Um, and the brevity of it is impressive when you isolate this song because I also feel like it fits so well into the flow of the record. It fits so well into the flow. It, it, it's three minutes, like you said, but it feels much shorter. It just feels like this effortless little piece of music. I mean, I said all the things before about like, you know, the, the den and the marijuana smoke and all this, that's what I imagined. But like, 
or that's what I picture in my head, but that's not a diss. Like I actually, no. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually really like this song um, yeah. too. And I think, I mean, again, the production, just like the, the, the layering of the vocals is like amazing. The the yes. mix of it is amazing. The, the effortless feel of it is great. Like the guitars are so sparse, but so like um, intentional. Um, Yo, that's that's a good point. You said the the layering of the vocals. I was thinking about it. The effortless. This record almost feels casually like well done. Like they just feel like. The vocals, especially, just feel like it's. And I mean, yo, actually, the whole musical package sounds casual. It just kind yeah. of rolls off, like, oh yeah, you know, like it doesn't feel like it was an attempt at greatness. It was just like, oh, here's here's what we did. Right. That, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, I think that if you're 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 a band, you've done eight albums, so they're very comfortable in the studio, and they more or less had this whole thing dialed. It sounds like before they even went into the studio for it, aside from like some effects that they I'm sure did in the studio, but like, yeah, it, it just sounds like a band at the height of their powers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's impressive. Um, next track on the run. So, so this, this yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. <laughs> it's, this is where you start to feel kind of like tonal elements and where they're trying to create something that is not uh, an album as has been conceived prior kind of. Yeah. Uh, there's like, it's an attempt to be a score and there's a, a bit of a clumsy feel to it, but I also really appreciate the energy and I also appreciate, appreciate that it kind of pushes the pace up a little bit. Um, yeah, and and I like how it falls. It's it's kind of one of those. This is the full effect of this album is trying to do something different and be something a little bit askew, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like this song again seamlessly goes into this song from "Breathe in the Air," where it just feels like yep. a, a kind of like psychedelic buildup in the middle of the song, but it's actually a separate song. Um, instrumental piece. Um, it feels like it feels like an elevated psychedelia. Like they've been, they've yes. been doing the psychedelic soundtrack thing for a while. They've toyed with a lot of different instruments. This one, like it's basically like an early version of sampling where it's like this repeating noise pattern that kind of speeds up. Yes. Um, and they kind of build on it. It's really, really cool. It, it, the, the sound of it, I guess, I was going to say it sounds a little dated because the technology that they were using to make it has advanced a lot. But at the same time, I could see bands like like management, MGMT doing this at this point. Yeah. Like, oh, like and a lot of bands really are doing stuff like this. this. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's something that I think is still very much relevant and like doesn't feel all that dated in any way. Um, I think this is a super cool song. I really like it. Apparently, yes. apparently, it deals with the pressures of travel, which would often bring fear of death. Ah. Is what was said about it. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. No, uh, it's cosine. Thank you. Time.
Um, the clocks, the clocks, man. The clocks. It's it's really shocking and jarring, and I've definitely heard this piece a lot. And it so kind of, many times. Yeah, it it annoys me. Although the, when I yep. read a, when I read about it, I became one of those guys that was like, "Wow, this is actually really cool." Because <laughs> yeah. they they apparently recorded every separate clock, every clock separately in oh, like different cool. antique stores, and then mixed them all together into this kind of again sound collage thing. So. It's uh, it's cool. I mean, a lot of thought went into it. It's, but it's in the context of the record, it like jars you out of it, which is where I say that like this is tough as a background record for me at points. Well, that's the thing. There's certain, I mean, that and money they pull you in with these sound collage things. Yeah, that are, um, and that's that's my <clears throat> trouble with this record in certain elements and. What creates this interesting listening experience, and why I recommend this is a fun album listen. Yeah, uh, because it's pushing you there. The, I'm like, wait, do I am I pulled into it because I know it so well and have heard this a million times, or because that's the effect that it's attempting to do? It's somewhere in between, you know. Uh, this is this odd kind of. Like I said, this is post psych. It's this song gets pretty funky. Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't. I I think it also it is very fusion ish because of the way it's melding stuff together. Um, For sure. Later, later, I also say the interplay between instruments, and I think that is true here more so on on money maybe. Um, the interplay between the instrumentation is interesting. Um, and it, again, it goes to this whole idea of like a sound experience. Yeah. I mean, the interesting part to, to your point is like, I'm familiar with a lot of this stuff, most of it, but in the context of the record, I like it all a lot more. Yes. Same. It's like such an album listen, man. And then on top of that, even this song time, I like this song. I like it a lot actually, but too. if you take out, the clocks and you take out kind of the roto tom intro and you take out all these things that are kind of built around the song there's like oftentimes not that much to the song like pink oh. floyd the, 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 the like the once they're like playing a rock song or whatever it's mm-hmm. like they're pretty sparse yes they're a little bit funky they're a little bit bluesy at times mm-hmm. like there's really not that much there I mean, they have it's super simple stuff. It, it's like, I think it has more in common with ambient music than it does prog. And yeah. I think that it the, falls the in the space is between, just, you know, I agree. I mean, the prog, I think people, it's an easy word to use just because it's so layered and there's just yeah. so many different elements to it. But yeah, I think of it as a different thing kind of. No, I, I 100% do. And, and it's, because they're layering and doing a lot of different stuff with sound, but also keeping it pretty straightforward and simple in these yeah. other ways. So um, that's one of the beauties here, the simplicity. Because if you were to say, like, I don't think many people would say, oh, Dark Side of the Moon, musically simplistic. No, it's not. But it, it also is focusing more on repetitions builds a few tricks and in, in kind of even stereo sound stuff that's going on the panning there's some interesting panning if you're really listening to it um you know when, when we talk about like 
oh, you know, just like bare bones, straightforward rock and roll. People like to to throw that on stuff like the Ramones, you know. Pink Floyd's not that, but they're using a lot of instruments and kind of keeping it pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> in the funkiest of ways. So Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I like time. I like I it re- too. I really like it in the context of an album yep. because this is another <clears throat> one of the like, hey, this is a radio track. There were times when if this would hit the radio, I'd, it's a skipper, you know, like, okay, let's see what else is on. For but sure. Context of the the album, I'm here for it. The great re- gig. Re- in, oh, I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry, real quick, last thought. Um, this one in particular, I, I paid a lot of attention to the lyrics on this listen because uh, people seem to really vibe feel on them, it. you know? Yep. Um, and it became immediately clear to me that this is a record if if you caught this record and you were like 17, 18, 20, in your 20s, whatever, I'd say 25 at the latest. Yeah. This record might speak to you on this level that if you hear it after that, it is never going to speak to you that way, ever. Um, like, apparently, and I read some interviews with Roger Waters, he kind of said the same thing numerous times where he's like, yeah, time specifically but the record in general i i came to realize that you know life isn't this thing that you prepare for it's this thing that you know it's it starts at the very beginning and you're already right in smack dab in the middle of it you know once you realize that you're living it right and he like was 28 29 when he realized all of this <laughs> yeah. i just feel like it's one of those things that if you're if you're thinking about what you're doing and how you're kind of moving about your life, you come to that conclusion, right? Yes. 100%. So if, if a record tells you that and you happen to just be in the right time at the right place and Pink Floyd is like, Hey man, life is happening right now. And you're like, Whoa, <laughs> like that's going to, this record's <laughs> going to be really important for you for the rest of the time. But if you already know that and you listen to this, you're like, ah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. This right. Not True. that profound, you know, yeah. <laughs> no cap. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's. I also think there's a weird thing, and we're circling back to this again. But I, I think it's worth saying. I think there's a lot of people who Pink Floyd is pure starter bin of music, band. Mm-hmm. and I think both you and I were deeply invested in music, right? <laughs> of other types at the age and range in which most people are typically like find this as they're like no, no, you don't understand this record. And like, I liked this record when I was in high school. I thought it was cool. It wasn't, it wasn't like in my top five. I didn't build a personality around it. You know, <laughs> like I yeah. didn't build a, a lifestyle to it. Um, I did that with other things apparently. But uh, I, I agree. I think there's people who could hear this, especially when they're early on, especially if it's like, hey, you, you like music? Well, here's what you really got to like. Yeah. And they could really be like, oh, even though conceptually it's just kind of some stuff. It's like, hey, man, you know, all this time you're doing, spending, thinking about living, you should be out there like living right now, man. <laughs> it's like, oh, no way. Holy crap. Oh. So, yes. Uh, the Pink great Floyd, dig everybody. in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's grand. Rich tapestry music. Um, the organ and female vocals leave the song on its own island. I love the organ play on this record. I actually think it adds to 
the richness. Otherwise, it's kind of like if you listen to the song, take out the vocals, which here we have vocals as an instrument because yep. I don't even know if there's lyrics. Um, no. <laughs> and the organ, and this is a very sparse song, like truly just just a mood kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I think the, the vocals and the organ take it to this other level. It feels super... Um, this could totally be on a movie score. I'm sure it has been on a many movies. Um, it just feels big and theatrical. Um, apparently, all the vocals, vocals were more or less improvised. Um, the woman's name, Claire Tory. Mm. Apparently, she got paid like thirty dollars for this and Ooh. uh then sued the band later i think in the 90s early 2000s um and they settled out of court so i hope that claire got her uh, her money's worth on this one but uh because she completely makes the song like she should obviously have songwriting credits on this um uh, yes but if but, it was improvised 100 yeah so but yeah that all being said really cool song really just big big song and this closes out the uh, side a of the record which is a nice flow and a nice stopping point for it pete can we go to the song that i like the least on this record same money money so this was the cash register the cash register this uh, i mean which actually that again i'm gonna turn into nerd pink floyd guy that was Roger Waters just recording all that shit and like made a collage out of it, which makes it, it's still annoying. I still don't want to hear it, but it makes it more you're, interesting. You're doing the to uncle thing, to. Pete. Yeah, no, I know no, I am. This is, yeah, so I know good. I am. I'm fully aware that I'm doing that, but like, but I could see why I do those too. people I exist. I appreciate that. You know? I, mean, I know, yeah. I know. I, I think those notes are kind of cool and fun. So, Pete, uh, this one, I was trying to be generous and thinking about it. They're trying to fill the space. And when I listen to this and isolate out my distaste for it, beat driven back and forth instrumental interplay. I really like it. I like that side of it. Dude, the, bounce- the time the time signature on this is so weird. That's that's the thing that I noticed on this listen. Really weird. Bouncing ball vocals at times where it's just do 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 like that. Money, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I appreciate the song so much more now that I don't listen to classic classic rock radio in a warehouse. Um, (laughs) It's the only song on this record that I think overstays its overstays its welcome in this kind of bloated way. Yeah. That I think favorably. And if I'm in the right place and when I'm doing the album, listen, to be honest, you could call it jammy, you know, they start to kind of, unwind it and it jams and then you kind of get to this point where it decelerates and kind of tightens back up yeah i can feel it in the right mood and i also have heard this on the radio and been like slogged through it with like these vivid flashpoints of like my face dripping sweat and hearing this song while I'm working <laughs> in a warehouse and being like, God, please, anything else, any other song, please. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. Where where are you at? 
Yeah, I never liked the song. I like it the most now. I think I've ever liked it. <laughs> is but it because we don't listen to the radio? And it's, it's probably far because away? We, yeah, we don't listen to the radio. And I think honestly, it. I think in the context of the record, it makes so much more sense and is less annoying to me than than when it comes on classic rock radio. Yes. Um, I mean, it's the only. This was the first hit in the United States for them, and it's like the only potential single on this record there's like no real singles here aside from this song um yeah i don't know um i i wrote i don't mind it at this point meaning i don't really love it but i don't hate it as much as i once did um it fits thematically um it's the lyrics are maybe the most on the nose like i feel like they took this song and built the wall around it um, which I don't, you know, I don't like that version of Pink Floyd in general. So I don't, you know, it doesn't work for me really. So this gets into some of the like elements of the wall, et cetera. Yo, I think this is the most tasteful version of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is better than anything on the wall. I'm just saying no question. like this, the, the kind of on the nose kind of political capitalism lyrics, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it just doesn't work for me. It's um, yeah, lyrically this one is pulling at some things and broad level. It's like yeah, man, money. Oh, how gross! Eh. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But like you know, they- not, there's no depth or nuance to it. But I don't think they were trying for that. I mean, they're literally having cash registers clink in the background of the song. Right. So you know, um, but yeah, it's it is a overall. And this is maybe something for the casual or non Pink Floyd fan. In the context of the album, it plays better. Just period. End of story. Hundred percent. Us and them. This song is like quieter in tone and dynamics. It has more of a proggy jazz feel. Yep. Um, but it has these huge choruses, which is kind of just becoming. I mean, that's like a Pink Floyd yes. staple. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, it's this kind of. It opens with this ambient, glowing light energy. Mm-hmm. Um, the saxophone makes it something a bit more like uh, yeah. <laughs> light rock, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but as you noted, the big moments are as big moment as they come. You know, yeah. it's like full triumphant cacophony vibe. Um, so a, a good song. 
also a song you can catch on the radio, which is weird because some of these songs, Us and Them, I don't even, if you had said, oh, you know the Pink Floyd song, Us and Them, I'm like, no. But when you hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I know this song. Totally know this song. Yeah. Um, is this, I don't have it in front of me. Is this the longest song on the record? This is the one that's like seven minutes, isn't it? Yes, I believe it is. So there's a yeah. couple songs towards the end of Dark Side of the Moon that end up being what I call bathroom break, uh, DJ bathroom <laughs> break song, where it's like, oh, we're going to give you another rock block of uh, my two favorite songs of the 70s, Stairway to Heaven and Brain Damage or whatever the long song on the song. Right, like, yeah. Where it's like, oh, okay, I see. Us and Them is seven minutes and 50 seconds, yeah. So this is the longest song on this record. By signet money six twenty three. Um, oh wow! But yeah, so this is one of the. Uh, hey, I need to use the bathroom in the studio, and it's not going to be a quick one. I feel that, um, but yeah, overall, I like this song. Yeah, um, it's cool. Any color you like. Heavy um, on the synths. Heavy on the synths. Totally synth driven until it kicks into like this long guitar solo piece. Which I referred um, to as big lip curl palm muting guitar <laughs> shit going on. <laughs> I love it. Um, maybe the funkiest and most up tempo track. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It's that palm muting kind of bump, bump, bump. Um, yeah. I think it's fun. I, I do like how layered you still feel it under that kind of up tempo and funkiness. Yeah. Um, even though some of this guitar stuff is not what I came to this record for. No, but it doesn't feel out of place. It's, it's no, there, it doesn't. like, like, like if it's you flow again, if you break all these elements out, it's like the saxophone and this <laughs> and that it's like, like a lot of it, you'd think, how does this fit in? And somehow it all fits in. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a nice build to this song. It's it's a cool song. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It totally works in the flow of the record. Um, I'm with it. Yeah. Brain Damage. This is basically like the title track, you know? Um, yeah, this feels like a mission statement. Yeah, 100% is, you know? Um, lyrically enjoyed this one. The last two, I, I, I almost these two are, are the... They really flow together. Um, yeah. Reemphasize how much the organ adds to the warm toe underneath everything, especially on this song, um, which I think allows for these upshifts and downshifts in energy to really hit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it just brings a little bit more drama to the whole thing. Really fun, dramatic lyrical play. This feels almost religious in the way it is, like this church revival energy um, because yeah. it's so epic and sweeping. It's so epic. It's yeah. such an obvious, like, this is the closer. Um, apparently, this whole song is more or less about Sid Barrett specifically. Yes. Um, if your head explodes with dark forebodings too, I'll see you on the dark side of the moon. Um, and if the band you're, you're in starts playing, playing different, different tunes, tunes. I'll yeah. see you on the dark side of the moon. Apparently that's in direct reference to the fact that he used to play a different song from everyone else on stage. Cause he was kind of <laughs> losing his mind at a certain point, <laughs> but it's all done in this kind of interesting, almost loving way towards him. I don't know. I, oh I, yeah. I, no, I, I think they have a lot of reverence for him. He just yeah. like was actually going through serious mental health issues at yeah. the end. 
Yeah. Um, a, a great song. I can't believe it's only three minutes and 46 seconds. Similar to Breathe because it feels like it just clicks by so quickly. It does go by so quick. Um, I think it's a great song. I think it's a great closing song, although I guess Eclipse is technically the closer, but yeah, it's great. Well, because Eclipse, and maybe go there, is a continuation of Brand Image. Yep. I'll let you taste all you feel. And I'll let you love. And I'll let you hate all you distrust. All you say. Except it's killer closing. It's yeah. like a fantastic closing song on a record. It's this beating repetition. Again, you have this glorious big room sound to it. Feels like tying up all the concepts and loose ends and everything and just pulling it together. And it leaves me going, man, this is like this is like watching a team you like play a perfect game in the Super Bowl. And this is towards the end of the game, and you're just like on your feet cheering, like, yeah, this is it. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, it's so celebratory, but also I know. Big. it's so weird. <laughs> Dude, I works. feel you. Like you you all of a sudden find that you're like rooting for Pink Floyd by the end of this record. I feel you a hundred thousand percent to the point like I I did like the sit down vinyl listen, like mm. just door closed, awesome. music on. Dude, this record ended. I wanted to stand up and be like, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like I, I felt so I was like, God damn, like, well done. Um, I also the thing that I thought a lot about, how, are you a fan of uh, the record Abbey Road? The Beatles yeah, record? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So I love that album and the B side to it, I think is like just unbelievable. And this the B-side to this record, I just thought, to my, I was like, this doesn't exist without Abbey Road because it, it just has that feel of like the end, the Beatles song, the end at the end of uh, Abbey Road. Yeah. Where it's just all of these pieces working so well together. Like some of them feel off kilter, some of them don't, but then it just like ends with this perfect like send off. Um, so that was kind of one of the things I was thinking about, but man, yeah, I think it's a great closer. Yeah, like as good a closer as we've had <laughs> maybe doing uh this podcast. Like yeah. it just pulls everything together and it's like it's big, it's triumphant, it is signaling at all the things that you've just listened to. So um that's where I don't have a problem with somebody calling this concept record because musically the concept is there more than lyrically. I think there's musical themes that are executed and sound themes that are executed more strongly than lyrical themes. And I like the lyrics overall on this record. I feel warm towards them, even though they're kind of they're big loaf of bread concepts. It's like, yeah, 
I say loaf of bread because it's like, well, what do you need at the grocery store? Well, uh, yeah, loaf of bread and milk. Yeah, I, I know we're <laughs> out of bread, right? But what what else, what do you want? Like, you nobody wants a loaf of bread. You just need it. You know, like, yeah. oh, I I want the figs. I want the organic honey butter barbecue twirls. You know, like whatever it is. <laughs> um, they just give you some pretty like big concept stuff but sometimes that works and i think on their best moments it really does um so uh, kudos dark side of the moon we're, we're standing up and clapping you ready to rank this record buddy i'm ready dude holistic quality out of 20 is this a good record how good is this record i think it's pretty good i gave it a 17 i gave it a 17 too <laughs> <laughs> uh nice. Pete, highs the highs of this record how high are the highs Pete, 10. It's a 10. The highs are a 10 of 10 on this record. Yeah, for a record to make me want to stand up and clap, uh, I got to give it a 10. Lows out of 10. I give it a 5. Okay. A lot of that was me trying to be fair because of my apprehension with how much I've been exposed to some of these songs in a like whatever but money overstays its welcome a little bit um it's better in the concept of this and it's it's sort of money and time i like time but in my head i was like wait do i like time when the clock started ringing i'm like wait do i like the song or not and i'm like no i do like the song yeah so uh it's a it's a five it's not the lows are not really low yeah it doesn't get very low for me i gave it a seven great competency and peer review uh so how does this stand up against its peers? How does it stand up against itself, the the band and the rest of their discography? Nine out of ten. I landed the same place. I like kind of a singular band, and you know, I mean, like uh, uh, glam rock was kicking off at this point, and this was coming out. It's it's kind of wild. So yeah, I continue, Pete. The early seventies are this time frame I really love musically. Oh, it's great. Really Everyone that it. says they love the 60s is actually thinking about the early 70s most of the time. Because so much came out of it. It's The 60s were cool, but the 60s were this weird incubator. Yeah. And what sprang from it in the early 70s. And I even, you know, basically 70 to 74, and I'm saying across genres, no barriers. There's a lot of really interesting music. For sure. Drag factor out of 10. Does not does not drag for me. I gave it an eight. Gave it a seven, mostly same reason. Cool. Flow out of ten. How well does this record flow together? I give it an eight. Dude, I gave it a ten. Oh, that's I just, awesome. It's like just it's so seamlessly put together. It feels perfect in that respect. Aesthetic out of ten. I mean, you can't deny the cover art, can you? No, it's perfect. It's perfect. The only thing that goes against it is that that so many <laughs> too many dorm rooms. Yeah, that's the only thing that goes against it. True. It's really awesome. Fact. It's iconic, like on eighteen levels. It's a nine for me. I give it a nine too. Okay. Impact and influence. It's a ten, right? I mean, but here's the thing: I can't. Oh man! So I I landed on an eight only because I can't see the influence. That's where I'm sitting. Okay, I'm going to give it a nine because I can't see the influence. There is influence of this record across popular music period. Oh, for sure. Sentence, and you can feel it, but I can't point out 
many rock bands that it's like, oh, this band wants to sound like Pink Floyd. Yeah, no, not really. Or, or Dark Side of the Moon even, you know? Yeah. Uh, intangible, etc. Pete, I give it a nine. The minus one point was for all the weird, complicated, in my own damn head feelings that I have to deal with <laughs> thinking about this record and this band. For sure. I gave it an eight for more or less the same reason. That's awesome. I'm doing some quick head math here. Where did you come out so on this? So I ended up at a 76. Oh, no way. Do your math. You're missing something. You you have to be higher than that. Really? Yes. I tend to do my math incorrectly. That's, yeah, I know. That's and I'm like, a, I know. That's becoming I know a theme I'm... of this podcast. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know that when we started doing a podcast, I'd have to do math. So I know. I'm sorry. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, 20, 30. 33, 41. This is... 56. This 65. is a great listening experience. <laughs> 71. I don't think I'm so. I'm at dude. an 83. And you had higher rankings than me, brother. 68. All right, here, let's do it. I'm going to be your calculator. Give me, <laughs> give me your numbers. Give me your numbers. Holistic quality, 17. Uh-huh. Go. Oh, that's that's it. That's the that's the mistake. <laughs> that's the first, the first two numbers that I added together. I'm at an 86. Okay. That sounds about right. Um, what are you again? 83. 83. And okay. I mean, there's moments where I could have probably felt it even higher. Um, so this is to say to everyone, shake off the weirdness that you might feel about this band. Shake off the weird, this has been played too many times on the radio and I heard the song so many times. Ah, energy. <laughs> shake off that dude trying to say, no, man, you don't understand. Dark Side of the Moon. Blah, blah, blah. Shake it off. Give the record a listen. Come back to us. Let us know how you feel. You feel better in the morning. You might be standing up clapping at the end of it. <laughs> we'll see you there. Pete, where can people follow us? Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TraxPod. And they can send us emails too. Send us emails to trackspod at gmail.com and tell us how much you loved this record. We'll see you on the dark side of the moon. Goodbye. Goodbye.